For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You work hard for your money. Are you sure it's working hard for you? You could be sure with Merowest Credit Union. As a credit union, Merowest is all about people, you and me. So they do the right thing by offering us better rates, greater choices, and better service. Merowest Smart Rewards Checking is a perfect example. It's a checking account that pays you with rates up to 18 times the national average. Really, check it out at Merowest.com. And service? Merowest takes pride in what they do. Experience it. Your dreams and Merowest's values just go together. Consider Merowest today. Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Storewide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart Store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. You're listening to a Brawl Network and Eagles Brawl podcast. And you love the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me get a hell yeah. hell yeah. This is the Kelly Green Show. Bunch of underdogs. And you know what underdogs is? It's a hungry dog. Here's your host, Football Kelly. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Show here on the Eagles Brawl Podcast. I am your host, Football Kelly. I took a hiatus from recording until the Wentz trade saga was settled. There was a lot of speculation, and I thought that it would have been wrapped up a little sooner than it was, but Wentz is unofficially officially going to the Indianapolis Colts in a trade for a 2021 third-round pick and a 2022 conditional second that could become a first based on Wentz's performance in Indy next season. I am so honored to have my next guest on the show to talk about this major move and this decision by the Eagles. He's covered the birds since 2002 for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Les Bowen. Thank you so much for coming on to chat with me today, Les. How are you? I'm great, Kelly. Thanks. Good. I'm so glad that you could join me. I know that there's so much going on with this whole decision to uh, move on from a potential franchise quarterback. I know fans were desperate to really get a conclusion. It it seemed inevitable at the Super Bowl a few weeks ago that this was going to happen, regardless of if we wanted it to or not. Um, And we were going to put, we were actually going to talk right after the Super Bowl for a podcast episode, but we pushed pause on it because there was a lot of heat that, you know, you know, Wentz was going to be moved in the near future. It took a little bit longer, um, but I know that you were going to be busy trying to get some intel and clarity, but I'm just curious, how well did you sleep over the last few weeks while waiting to hear this uh, breaking news or trying to confirm this breaking news on your end? You know, honestly, Kelly, the biggest problem for me was finding stuff to write as we waited. I knew the actual breaking of the story, the way these things work these days, somebody, an agent or a 
general manager was going to give it to ESPN or the NFL Network, which the NFL owns, and ESPN, which the NFL partners with, uh, you know, that that would be how it would be announced. So I didn't waste too much time and sleeplessness over that, but I did have to, people wanted updates. People wanted, uh, you know, what's new, what's new? Well, nothing's new, <laughs> you know, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I, I tried to do a couple situationers in there to that weren't maybe just too boring. They tried to give some sort of new slant or, you know, perform some sort of function rather than other than just saying, well, we're still waiting. Um, in fact, and I think I was actually uh, lucky enough to kind of hit gold on that. The day before the trade, I wrote a piece. I had talked to a really good NFL management source. Uh, that was a few days after there was a report saying the Bears had the best offer. Uh, and my source says, yeah, well, that doesn't matter. If Wentz won't go there, the Bears aren't going to make that offer. You know, that offer is contingent upon Wentz being willing to play for the Bears, and he's probably not. So he's going to go to the Colts, and it's going to be for whatever the Colts are willing to, to part with because there's no other bidders, and it's not going to be a first-round pick. And, you know, uh, and, and he was right. And the other thing that he said was the Eagles will draft a quarterback sixth overall, which is something I've been thinking about a lot since then, since he was right about all the rest of it. But, uh, yeah, so that was kind of what I did during that time. There wasn't a lot of sleeplessness. It was more like, what in the world can I write about this now? You know, yeah, it was such I... a long time waiting yeah. for it to, like, drop. I think the the whole fan base was, like, sick of – hearing you know the Colts and the Bears the Colts and the Bears it was like what 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 is what is he doing where are we what is happening and why you know there's so much question about why it had to happen so oh gosh yes yeah I don't know if we'll ever really know the the real answers there right yeah you kept thinking there'd be other teams involved people would posit you know Carolina should be interested apparently they weren't I, I think Deshaun Watson being on the market or not really being on the market but Everybody kind of figures he's going to be on the market at some point, really sort of captured the imagination of some of these teams more than Carson Wentz did. Yeah, he had a Uh, bad season last year, so this was the worst time to ever request or potentially just ask to be traded um, for our our purposes. So before we get all into the Wentz trade, I do want to talk to you a little bit about yourself. I did some research ahead of the show and found out that you originally moved to Philly to cover the Flyers. What sparked your change in covering hockey to football for your career? Well, it is a little bit more complicated than that. I actually moved to Philadelphia in 1983. Uh, I had met my wife. We both worked at the Charlotte Observer in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we grew up. And we got married and she got a job at the Inquirer in 1983. So I kind of came up with her and caught on at the Daily News at that time. And actually, the first job they had was a was a copy editing job. So I was editing stories and writing headlines. And I did that for about four and a half years. And then I did a little national baseball. I did Pete Rose getting thrown out of baseball and uh, covered some Phillies games. And I went to the 88 Summer Olympics in Seoul, wrote about Ben Johnson getting thrown out of that for his drug test. Uh, 
And then in 89, Jay Greenberg, who had covered the Flyers for the Daily News, uh, left to go to Sports Illustrated, and they needed a Flyers beat writer. And at the Daily News, certainly, and at the Acquirer as well, the four pro sports beats are the best beats, really. I mean, you travel, you you know, you're, you're kind of your own boss. You, you it's, it's a good gig. That's what you, you want. to be a little creative and yes. know what you, you, you want. One of those. You don't want to be bouncing around covering St. Joe's one day and the Phillies the next day, which is kind of what I was doing, frankly. Uh, so uh, I said, yeah, I can cover hockey, which was kind of a lie. But uh, I was from Charlotte. There was a minor league team in Charlotte when I was growing up, the Charlotte Checkers. And I did go to some of their games and I had a rough idea of what was going on out there, but certainly not a real authoritative grasp. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they gave me the job and I did it for 13 and a half years and I really enjoyed it. I came to like the hockey community very much. Uh, it's a smaller community than the NFL community. Uh, you get to go to Canada a lot, which I enjoyed quite. Yeah, Vancouver, Quebec City. These are amazing places, much mm -hmm. better than Cleveland or Green Bay. Um, <laughs> yeah. so that was cool, but it was also a tremendous amount of travel. And after 13 and a half years, uh, my kids were growing up and uh, we had a in the early 2000s, right before I made the switch, the Flyers had an eight-day, five-city road trip. And I thought, you know, I'm in my 40s now. I don't know. This is going to kill me if I'm still doing this in 10 or 15 years, you know. So uh, when the Eagles beat came open, I definitely wanted to go for that. And that was in 2002. And then the the staffs of the Daily News and the Inquirer combined a few years ago, and I got to stay with the Eagles. Now I'm part of an Eagles team that uh, I think is a really good team. Uh, we all complement each other pretty well. So, yeah, that's how it all came about. And the Flyers thing was kind of because I wanted a pro beat. I would have taken any of the four. It was your stepping stone. Yes. To where you are now, which is awesome. That's great to hear about. Um, you've been covering the Eagles organization and the performance of the team, you know, handling of the front office to everything that goes on to the field for such a long time. Um, and in a city like Philadelphia that cares so much about the football team, what's been the biggest challenge to trying to tell those stories over the course of your career so far? Uh, there have been a lot of them, but really this pandemic has been as big a challenge as I've faced just because we don't get to talk to people in person. I haven't interviewed an athlete in person in more than a year. Uh, it's Zoom sessions and uh, there's no locker room. There's no way. Occasionally, maybe you can if you have a guy's cell number, you can talk to him off the record or something. But anymore, very few athletes really want to get into that. Uh, they have their own. There was a time when athletes needed us to kind of get their viewpoints across. Now they have their own Instagram and their own Twitter, and uh, we are less vital to them in that regard. So this has been quite a challenge, uh, especially yeah. as the team kind of went to heck. And, uh, you know, Carson Wentz this season and the whole thing, uh, I don't think any of us feels like we had the kind of handle on it we would have had uh, had we been there, down there every day talking to a dozen people. 
Yeah, the organization really controls the Zoom conversation, so you don't have really any accessibility to what's going on and getting a pulse of the locker room, that kind of deal. So I totally, completely understand what you're saying. So that's been big. There were some other other challenges. Uh, Social media has been a challenge. You know, we had more access in the days before social media. Uh, Andy Reid used to let us watch practice a couple days a week, not just the warm-ups, which is what we watch now, but the entire practice. There were some things we weren't supposed to write about, you know, strategy things. Hey, I saw them practicing a double reverse. You weren't supposed to say that uh, because that would give away the game plan. But you could, you know, if somebody was suddenly starting at left outside linebacker, you could say that, you know. I but social media came along and people started tweeting things that were happening on the field. And, you know, that all went south. So our access has, has declined precipitously during the time that I've covered the Eagles. And I think the attitude of the Eagles organization toward the media has changed. They have their ways, as I was talking about players having access to getting their own stories. out. I think the organization feels like, it has, with its website, the ability to tell its own story, and it's less dependent on us and less beholden to us, especially those of us who are not rights holders, who aren't paying them any money for this access. I think they genuinely regard us as a pain in the ass now, rather than, you know. Well, you're trying to hold them accountable. You're not being paid yes. by them to say right. what. So we still definitely need you. I think the, the media so. is such an important part to getting a, a better idea of what's going on. But you get kind of forced into um, having to trust these anonymous sources sometimes. And you don't know yeah. if they're distorting the information. And so yeah. it is hard for fans to really wrap our ha- hands around what's going on um, when it comes to like, outsiders just commentating on the situation but when it comes to people like you like true sports journalist reporters we're getting information that isn't you know trying to be you know beholden to the organization it's just telling what the situation is um on a fact basis so at least that's how i see it so i do appreciate the work you're doing and um i did i did want to comment on the covid situation because it is making it even more difficult going into the combine draft situation that we're all looking forward to because we really need to get these these prospects um handled pretty well to know who we're going to go with uh in the draft um but there's no formal combine that would have happened this week. Right. Um, and then, you know, they're not going to have in-person visits at the NovaCare center. That would really give us a little bit of an insight on who they're targeting, who yes. they have interest in, who they're looking at. Um, they're just doing these zoom meetings with all the prospects. So um, just curious as far as the combine and what your work is moving forward, how, how much of a challenge has it been to really get insight on what they're going to be doing in a couple of months? Yeah, that's going to be a tremendous challenge, and you're absolutely right. I mean, we would have gone to the Senior Bowl last month. Normally, that's a place where you hobnob with agents and scouts and coaches, and you see them in bars at night and things like that, and that's very valuable. Uh, we didn't have that. A few people went, but it wasn't – I'm sure there weren't, wasn't a lot of hobnobbing. Uh, right. It's just, you know, we're not doing that right now. So, 
yeah, the, the loss of the combine, again, same situation. It's not so much the scripted interviews that you miss as it is uh, you bumping into somebody on the street that night and saying, hey, did you hear about such and such and getting an honest answer from them because there's nobody else around and they're not speaking into a microphone, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, that's all gone. It's out of here. Uh, you know, so, yeah, this is going to be a mess. Uh, I, I think it poses one of the stories I'm trying to do right now, and I'm not getting very far with it, uh, is the scouts and the talent evaluators. And I did a story last year going into the draft, and I kind of thought it was a one off kind of thing about things changed suddenly in March last year, but they'd already had the combine and the senior bowl and, and some pro days. And we thought they were in dire straits for evaluating players because they didn't get to, you know, do a lot of in-person stuff after the middle of March. But well, this is a lot of guys didn't play last year. (laughs) You know, I mean, this is just unbelievable. The challenge that uh, they're faced with right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this this is gonna this whole draft process is uh, is going to be a real mess. Yeah, and I'm I'm with all of the fans listening to you know all of the draft uh, evaluators who are you know pretty vocal on Twitter, and it's like we have to get this pick right at six. Like we yeah, so yeah. badly need this okay. person to be a uh, starter, and it's. It's concerning yeah. when you know how hard it's going to be to really evaluate yeah. these guys. Um, and there's going to be some reaches that we see, and we're going to see some mm-hmm. guys who are busts and just not a culture yeah. fit, um, unfortunately. But um, that happens every year. It might happen to a larger degree this year. But um, we'll stay hopeful that maybe they, you know, have a good handle on it. And um, but I'm definitely hopeful that you can do the story that you're working on for that, because I would definitely want to read that one. I hope so, too. Yeah, the thing about the sixth pick is, you know, other than the Wentz year when they traded up to second overall, traded twice from 13th, the Lane Johnson year uh, was is the only time in, in the whole time I've covered the team in, in the 21st century when they drafted this high. Right. Um they desperately need when we talk about them having bad drafts, I mean, there's always counterpoint to that in some of these cases. The guy isn't that bad. He's not a terrible bust. For example, Derek Barnett. Let's take Derek Barnett. First round pick, 13th overall, 2017. He's a good player. Right. But they are so low now on young Pro Bowl players, you know, guys who really make a difference on the field that other teams plan for, you know, that's where the problem is. You know, I, you can't call Derek Barnett a bust. I certainly wouldn't. Right. But is he the 13th overall pick guy that they, you know, really envision coming in and and uh, and being a star? No, kind of not. Uh, right. Partly because of injuries. And they've had a lot of guys like that. And you just can't afford. I'm not talking about the the J.J. Ortega Whitesides who just haven't done anything. They have a lot of guys that they've invested draft capital in who have kind of been okay the last several years. But They're no nobody star. that's a home run, not a right. single one. I would argue even Miles Sanders, you know, not quite there yet. You know, has the He's potential. serviceable. 
Yeah. Yeah. But he's good and he might be great, but he isn't great. You know, they need him to be great. Yeah. And his, his injuries have always kind of concerned me too. So that's always, you know, part of the process. It's, you know, unfortunate that we haven't really knocked one out of the park. This is one they absolutely need to get. So um, totally with you on that. The Kelly Green Lightning Round is a segment I do. It's a quick question, quick answer, thing to break up, you know, things, get to know my guest a little bit better. So are you ready? Oh, sure. Okay. Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? Well, I'd have to tell a lie. I'm always 10 minutes late. Uh, (laughs) I would rather be 20 minutes early, but at this point in my life, I am who I am. Paul Domowicz, who... Who often goes to dinner with me and is sitting in the lobby of the hotel looking at his wife. (laughs) I love it. At least you're honest. Yeah, yeah, it happens, you know. Um, Are you a morning person or a night owl? Oh, night owl. I worked, when I was at the Daily News, uh, originally as a copy editor, I worked overnight, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And so much of flyers was done, you know, midnight, after midnight. I. I've never gotten out of that pattern. I I sleep maybe midnight to seven thirty, something like that. That's pretty. That's a pretty decent like window for sleep, though. So yeah. I mean, that's yeah. good. At least that's when you're like operating at your highest level. Is but I don't see the sun come up ever. Oh yeah, fair enough. That's fine. Um, do you listen to any podcasts? And if so, what is your favorite? Oh my, you know i I am not that. Uh, big into the podcast thing. Uh, we have one uh, that I do. I do listen to that one. Uh, I've listened to uh, I've listened to yours. I've listened to the one that Jeff Mosher and Adam Kaplan do. That's very good. Uh, but I can't say that I'm a connoisseur of podcasts. I I tend to listen to music when I'm listening. Yeah, I respect it. Um, favorite NFL stadium that you visited during your career? Uh, Seattle. I think that's the best stadium. It's the most uh, striking and it has a great atmosphere with the noise and you're right on the sound there. And it's, uh, and they have Starbucks in the press box. I mean, it's Oh, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah. I like that stadium a lot. This question is a little bit of a hat tip to Chris Long because on the Twitter uh, timeline, he likes to say that football players are uh, more tough or tougher than the uh, hockey players as like a, a running joke. Kind of uh, being a bit. My question to you is which one, yeah. which p- players NFL or um, NHL are the tougher players? I cannot make a choice there. It's <laughs> two different kinds of toughness. I think NFL players often play uh, with, Injuries that you couldn't play hockey with right. because you, you couldn't skate effectively or, you know, if you had like a cast on an arm, you couldn't very well shoot or pass. But injured hockey players play several times a week. Right. Sometimes for weeks, taking shot after shot after shot. They both do. There's a lot of Toradol involved. And I think those are the two toughest sports by far, far more physical than baseball or basketball. Uh, I, I think they're a lot alike, actually, hockey players and football players. I think they both do a lot of having to play through things that most people would not want to try to try to play through. But I think it's two different setups, but kind of the same mentality. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose. I think it's myself. a draw. 
they're different. They're different. Um, so it's kind of a draw at this point. Like I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I enjoy when he ever brings it up on the timeline. I just think it's funny because it's yeah. uh it's just kind of this weird competition that doesn't really exist. But um all right, let's talk a little bit about the Carson Wentz trade because that's really what everybody's talking about these days. It certainly appears that the Eagles were essentially forced into making this move. I don't think the Eagles would have made this decision on their own. Um, The dust has settled a little bit and we've had some time to come to grips with the fact that Wentz is gone. Um, What's your biggest takeaway? I'm still just stunned that they had to do this. As you said, I think we all thought we didn't know how things would play out when the season ended, but when they fired Doug Peterson, everybody wrote, well, uh, they did this, this show with Carson Wentz. Darn that Carson Wentz. Now right. he'll get his way. And then it came out that Carson wasn't that excited about coming back with Nick Sirianni. Uh, and I still thought, okay, they're going to sit down. You know, Lurie will have him out to his place or Lurie will go to him or something. And Howie, and they'll sit down, they'll hash all this out, and they'll it, it, it behooves both of them to move forward. Right. Uh, I think Wentz is in a stronger position as the guy who was drafted and paid by the Eagles. You know, I, I think that's in the long run, that would have been a better look for him. Uh, and I certainly think it would have been better for the Eagles. I believe me when I tell you, I know for a fact that. Eagles management is not excited about what happened. Having to do this. Yeah, is not like, okay, we're going to move right ahead here. You know, we got rid of that guy and yada, yada, (laughs) yada, that, that, that. They're still sitting there shell shocked. Uh, And they're in a tough spot. Uh, They frankly don't know whether Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback. And I'm not ripping Jalen Hurts when I say that, but. I know there are a lot of people in the fan base that have made that determination already that he's this and he's that. Management doesn't know. They really didn't draft him thinking he would be their starting quarterback in 2021. And uh, it's a scary, I guess my take, if you ask me for a quick take, it'd be like, what? (laughs) How did you get here? You know, I mean, that's just the biggest thing I come away from this with is, how did this happen? I think that a lot of fans are asking that same question. Um, whether you wanted him gone or whether you didn't want him gone. Um, he didn't play well last year. I certainly understand why people were frustrated. Um, but it's it's almost like there have been so many stories around Carson um, since, you know, he's kind of been poor performances and all these other things. Now the speculation is at a high and, you know, all these anonymous sources, like we talked about earlier, you really don't know who to believe, what to believe. Um, So as a favor, I'm asking you to potentially try to clarify anything that you know for certain about what transpired with Wentz. You know, I think, and I think the organization thinks, when you peel back all the layers, this you, if you ask, where did this start? It started the night Nick Foles became the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. And that's not a rip at Carson. 
I had that feeling in U.S. Bank Stadium that night that this is so strange. You know, it was wonderful, obviously, for the Eagles, but here's Carson Wentz, who at that time was a was the greatest player, you know, anybody had ever seen for the Philadelphia Eagles, watching another guy win the Super Bowl, not just win it. I mean, he didn't win it like seven to six. He was the Super Bowl MVP who made ridiculous plays. Yep. It, things kind of got a little out of focus right then. And I think they kept getting more and more out of focus the next year when you had the back injury and Nick won another playoff game. Right. And then the next year when a lot of the season wasn't very good because I think the, the weapons were terrible and Wentz was pressing and finally well, they were they were moving the on from they were moving on from Foles and gave him that contract. I think that was right. an interesting time frame for when he decided that he was going to be the guy. Like he thought this is right. a moving forward moment. You know, Foles is gone. I'm going to be the guy. There's no question about it. Um, and if you if you remember back to the end of the 2019 season, before the concussion. Right. Uh, the end of the regular season, when he got the Eagles into the playoffs, everybody was saying, okay, it's all settled. Foles is gone. Everybody understands. Wentz is the guy. He got them into the playoffs. He, he was healthy all season. Didn't miss a snap. Here we go. And then we and draft then he Hurts. Got the concussion. <laughs> and nothing has been the same since. It's been, uh, you know, they drafted Jalen Hurts a few months mm -hmm. later. And yes, it was about, they wouldn't have done it if they didn't have this idea about having a backup on a rookie contract who would be really good if something happened to Carson. Right. But it's also true that in the backs of their minds, they're four years in with Carson Wentz and something keeps happening. Yeah. And they're hedging their bet a little bit. They really were. They claimed that they weren't, but they were. And he knew that. And I, I'll, and I'll, what's the the expression everybody loves today is I'll die on this hill. <laughs> it wasn't so much that he, that Wentz looked at, at uh, Jalen Hurts and said, oh my God, I have to compete against this guy. It was, they drafted my successor. <laughs> what yeah. the hell? <laughs> you know, 53rd overall, they were going to draft Jeremy Chen, who turned out to be the defensive player, rookie of the year. And instead, they drafted another quarterback. I can't believe, it. you know, I yeah. mean, that's the, that's the issue there. You can twist it into, he didn't want to compete or, or any of that crap, but it's, it's more like, what is this? We just got done with Nick Foles. What is this? You know? Right. And, and it never, it never felt like it was settled under his feet that he was the guy. Right. Right. So that's that's always been my perception of it. I know people think, oh, he didn't want to compete and all the things you've already said. So um, it's unfortunate. It, I mean, I look back at it and I'm like, I think we should have handled it differently along the line yes. somewhere to avoid this. Um, I, I think that's, you know, hindsight and, you know, you well, can't really change anything. Be, I think teams are going to rethink that strategy of, locking up your franchise quarterback for a bunch of years at, at ridiculous money because yeah. you can't possibly afford to franchise them. Maybe you can afford to franchise them. If you franchise them, it's incredibly painful, but only for that year. 
you right. know, and if something happens and they're not your franchise quarterback anymore after that year, then you're done. <laughs> you're not and, carrying around the largest dead cap number in the history of the NFL as the Eagles are right now. And praying and hoping that potentially hurts or this, you know, sixth round, sixth pick overall is a yeah, quarterback right. that can be the guy moving right. forward, because that would be the biggest um, punch in the gut to the fan base is him moving on, having success in Indy, and then we still don't have a quarterback. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a lot of the fear that people have with moving on from him. But ultimately, if that's, you know, where he he asked his agent to talk to the Eagles about moving on. So, you know, ultimately you have to just leave it. Like you can't hold on to the, we shouldn't have traded him. There was something that should, that should have been addressed before the trade to eventually potentially um, satisfy him. So that didn't happen. We'll move on. We have a new coaching staff coming in. We potentially have something in Hertz. We have a top pick in the draft to, address quarterback if Sirianni says this is a guy that I think would do well in my offense and they go quarterback I'm comfortable with that what are you looking to see from the front office if anything to try to sustain some longevity in this organization because it seems like every so often we're moving on pretty fast with these people oh yeah yeah well the 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 issue this offseason is the salary cap and how you're going to be competitive in 2021 while shedding a whole bunch of cap they've already said you know alshon jeffrey and malik jackson are being put out to pasture they've gotten rid of deshaun jackson um you know what form is this going to take is it just going to be guys you sort of figured were leaving or are they going to you know blow up the whole thing try to trade fletcher cox and you know uh I don't know. Hopefully not. I, I'm not that <laughs> astute about how they're going to do this. Uh, I hate the salary cap. I was an English major, but uh, you know, they have a lot of work to do, not just to get under the cap, but to get under the cap with competitive players. It's like the linebacker position last year. They had linebackers. They didn't have starting quality NFL linebackers, but they had linebackers. So right. Anytime anybody said, hey, you don't have any linebackers, they'd say, oh, of course we do. Yeah, they're right there. You know, I, no. <laughs> you know, they're people, I mean, but. <laughs> they could come out of this offseason with a team that just isn't going to be competitive. And that would be difficult. People hear, you hear people in the offseason expound about, oh, go 1-15 in 15 next year and get the number one pick overall in 2022. That'll be just great. Check back with them in week nine. You know, they hate it. <laughs> Nobody here is up for that. <laughs> no. Yeah. That no. is not something I want to sign up for at all. Yeah. Um, I do I do hope that Hertz is potentially the guy and they commit yeah, to him at least for the year. Real chance with real players around him yeah. to show whether he is the guy. Right. And I think it wouldn't hurt us to hold off one year and see if he is the guy. Because likely if he isn't the guy, we're not gonna be very good. So well, the danger in that is what if he's the guy that can get you to six and 10? Yeah. Then you're not drafting a quarterback without moving way up next year. You know, I mean, I can see that because they're going to have an easier schedule. They had a killer schedule this past season. We didn't really talk about that because it's an excuse and the team was so bad. It's pitiful to make such excuses, but 
There was a point early in the season in October when I thought they beat the 49ers when the 49ers were still reasonably decent. And I thought maybe they can get some traction here. And they had to go play Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And, you know, it was like we almost <laughs> won those almost, almost, almost. You know, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't coming together. Schedule was, was brutal and they're going to have an easier schedule, but they finished last in their division. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's very conceivable they could be bad and be six and ten bad or seven and nine bad instead of four, eleven and one bad. And that doesn't that's really a bad place. Yeah. And uh, nobody likes when we pull our quarterback and lose a game on purpose. So we don't yeah. want to have to deal with any Hopefully of that nonsense. That yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll just get some optimism going into the draft. We get some good players, starters, potentially, um, you know, serviceable starters for the team to augment the fact that we don't have a lot of money for free agents this year. Um, And that's really all we have for today. So I appreciate your time, Les. Um, Listeners, please go check out his articles on the Philadelphia Inquirer. He always puts things in perspective with his writing, and you'll definitely be able to trust what he's reporting. So uh, as well as doing that, please subscribe to the Eagles Brawl podcast for more episodes of the Kelly Green Show and Fly Eagles Fly. Your cousin from Boston. New Sam Adams Wicked Easy is light and wicked easy to drink. Which means it's wicked easy to call up some buddies for a little day sesh. So, wicked sorry I'm late. Sam Adams Wicked Easy. Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.